We said we'd be back. We're at the most haunted Starbucks in the world, probably, to celebrate Halloween. Frothy and spiced toffee apple lattes and all that's good about our fine city of Sheffield. That's right, it's Looking Up Sheffield. We said we'd be back. Even the Manics changed their minds about crashing and burning after one album. So here we are with Looking Up Sheffield Episode 2, the Difficult Second Podcast. And we're here with Ashlyn Fee, our special guest this week. As that may be, but you did record the first one in the poshest form of toilet in Sheffield. So you've set the bar pretty low, Lars. Well, that's true. And I can honestly say we've got a great second podcast for you listeners tonight and a perfect one to celebrate Halloween. Uh, we're gathered in the so-called plotting room of Carbrook Hall, one of the most haunted buildings in Sheffield. Let's not forget that Sheffield likes to turn toilets into pubs, incredibly swank and award-winning speakeasies and coffee houses. So in keeping with that most haunted building in Sheffield is now a... Uh... Starbucks, lads. So a few thoughts and reflections on the first podcast we did a few weeks back in the Two Rivers Cafe, where we can now clear up some of the mysteries of that incredible stone-carved coat of arms, make a humble apology and try to unpick the mystery that is my accent. So we asked our listener, I mean listeners, if they could shed any light on the coat of arms discovered underneath some panelling in the former Blanc Street toilets. The owner, Chris, thought it might have been the old town coat of arms before the city was given its city status. So we've had a bumper post bag about this. So thanks very much for replying to us. Thanks, Ash. The definitive answer is from Tony, who writes, The plaque inside of the gents' toilets is one of two that were erected either side of the bridge over the sheaf on Castlegate in 1916 to commemorate the completion of the sheaf culvert. A few years after that, the gents' toilet was built at the corner of Blanc Street in Castlegate. The coat of arms had to be removed to build the toilet, and it was then reinstalled on completion. This has been a mystery for years, but only this year I discovered why and what it was doing in that toilet. Simon Ogden and Ron Clayton have been puzzling over it for years. Earlier in the year, I agreed to do a talk on Ladiesbridge in the area around the Shambles as part of the Heritage Weekend. Long story short, I showed Simon some of my research material, one photo in particular showing the site before the toilet was built, and that was it. The coat of arms was on the opposite side of the bridge to the one with the date on it. Just goes to show, you can tell a Yorkshireman, but you can't tell him much. So Tony alludes to the name of the shambles in his answer before, which of course is a famous street in York, but there was also one of these in ancient Sheffield. Speaking of shambles, in last month's podcast, I promised a section on Sheffield's ancient street names, but unlike the ghost of John Bright tonight, it never materialised. Put it down to first pod nerves or running out of tape or something. We'll come back to this in a future podcast. A shambles indeed, but they make the best entertainment, don't they? We were going to discuss the reappearance of several old street names as part of the Castlegate Festival, but if you're interested, they'll probably end up being Richard Hawley albums when he gets round to writing them. Speaking of Mr Hawley, I saw him at the Octagon recently. Tonight's the streets are ours, he said, unless you're expecting them to be in our first podcast, of course. So the other mystery that we need to resolve is what the Blue Blazers is that accent, Lars? Well, the listener may have noticed that I'm not originally from Sheffield. Before this, I lived in Hull, which of course extends its ease because it looks to the sea. But before that, I lived down south. So much like this podcast, the accent does tend to jump about, Ashlyn. 
Good job I've got you along for consistency, eh? Let's crack on with our special haunted edition. I think it's time for our spooky interview. To the outside, kind of like I. Uh, it's a Starbucks. It's playing Starbucks music. I'm uh, drinking a uh, pumpkin spice latte, which has been beautifully made by yourself. But this isn't a normal Starbucks, is it? Really, um, it's, it's not your standard Starbucks. What's different about this Starbucks? Well, I think the first thing that a lot of people notice is the decor. I mean, upon entering the Starbucks through the door, which is located on the side of the building, on account of the age, a lot of people actually have trouble finding the door at first, which is quite amusing. One of the doors is actually closed off, as it's just part of the heritage. You enter into the bar space, and it's, I'd, I'd hazard to say, narrower than you'd expect. It still has that air of a, a pub. But the size of it is a lot larger than many other Starbucks that you'd get in this kind of location because we've got the two rooms, one room fully decked out in the original oak panelling and the original fireplace, so very, very cosy, warm atmosphere, and the other room with original stonework on display, that having once been a kitchen and you can see some of the old masonry. So a lot of people leaving feedback say almost immediately they feel that difference. That it's, it's not a Starbucks, it's a Starbucks in a pre-existing building. And uh, you used to go to this building when you were a kid, so your history with this building goes back a long way. Tell me a bit about that. I remember, well, I was very small at the time, and it would have been probably having, as a toddler, can browbeaten my parents when family visits into going to the haunted pub, because I knew it as just the haunted pub and we could come for Sunday lunch and the like. I remember there being a suit of armour here at one point. Very vague memories. But all my life of living in the city, going past on the tram or the buses, you see it and think, that's that's the one, that's the building. And it's been a bit heartbreaking for the past few years because it has been derelict. It's not been occupied, so actually seeing it brought back to life, for want of a better term, it's very nice. It brings back memories. Memories, you know, like really deep down of being here and being tiny. And you say it's the haunted pub, now it's the haunted Starbucks. Why, why is it haunted, do you think? Well, of course there's lots of ghost stories. I even found on Kindle when I was looking it up that um, somebody had written some ghost stories about the pub and published them and there's, there's been tours and the like. I'm sure it's appeared on television at some point, though I've not had a lot of luck locating that. I think it mostly boils down to the history, because it's such a long-standing building. It comes with the territory that these stories are going to accumulate. In a building of this age, you're always going to have drafts, you're going to have temperature changes, creaks and groans, all the usual stuff. And you know what with it having been listed and them doing out the electrics, the imagination runs wild. But it really does stem back to uh, John Bright, who was, I believe, was of the manor of Ecclesall. He uh, used to host the Roundheads here. It was rebuilt and then purchased by John Bright. You're looking at the better part of 500 years ago now, um, late 16th century. And there's tales about him potentially apocryphally hosting Cromwell. But 
what is undisputed is that he assisted in the siege of Sheffield Castle and he is supposedly the spirit who has remained prior to that the Blunt family they had the house built in the 1100s and spooky old manor house owned by a family from that area you can imagine no doubt there was some talk but there's even a legend going all the way back about there being a manor not a manor an abbey on the grounds be it here or adjacent in the nearby area with a tale of a nun who was cast down I don't know the details of that one I've not had much luck looking into it but in the room that we're sat in here you can actually see the fireplace above the fireplace is a wonderful mantle carved into the oak panelling depicting that legend so there's layers upon layers of history on the site and over time that has accumulated into of course ghost stories and you've been working here for the last couple of months since it opened are you finding people that are your regular kind of like coffee um, uh, purchases or have you got like a succession of ghost hunters and people that are just curious about whether they're going to see the ghost of John Bright we undoubtedly have regular customers like we're getting used to the, the same faces now a lot of people we know their drinks and whatnot. like with any workplace like this. There's so many businesses around here. We've got Forge Masters, we got Santander, we got the police, they're big customers of ours, many call centres, and of course the whole of entertainment. A lot of people, because we're open so early, commuting, using the drive-through for their morning coffee, going home late at night as well. The latter demographic, for want of a better word, comes usually around lunchtime, maybe at weekends. We've, uh, we've had some people interested in the building, some who are just interested in the history, you know, because they used to come here when it was a pub. But just the other week, I had a couple of customers who actually go to supposedly haunted locations, and they were interested in coming back. They'd come here purposefully, and they'd driven down just to have a coffee in here without saying anything, and they approached me as they were leaving to, to ask about this part of the building. We've even had a, uh, a priest, a reverend, drop a card off in case we have need of his services. Really? Yeah. But this is um, all a bit amateurville horror now, isn't it? it? But oh. If you ask my opinion on it, I doubt there's any danger in, in that regard. If a ghost is a memory, then the place has been around long enough. I think he'd probably be happy that it's back up and running again. So, um, you know, uh, you're fairly cavalier about it then. You've not actually seen any kind of like sign of any kind of like ghostly activity yourself, or is there things that you've witnessed that are a bit strange? Well, when it comes to this subject, I think it's, it's important to know that everyone's biased, either one way or another, unless, you, unless you're fully indifferent. Because person A could say, don't believe in it, no cause to believe in it. Person B could say, oh, I definitely believe in it because my mum, etc., etc. I am of the latter category, always have been. But as I've said to many new starters who can get, a, you know, the, the GBs get a bit spooked, there's no point worrying about it because it's just part of the history of the building. Now, I'm sure my managers don't want me saying it's haunted to everyone and sundry who come in because different people are going to react differently to that. But within three days, I had encountered drafts, you know, coming from under doors and through windows, which if it catches you unaware, it's like, oh, what's that called, draft? Drops in temperature, which of course is a listed building, so it's hardly double glazed. That makes sense. 
flickering lights. Like I say, it's a lizard building. They've done the electrics. Things falling off shelves. That could be due to drafts. Catching things out the corner of your eye. Like the only time I'd say I'd seen something, I was making drinks on the bar and I was going to put some milk in the fridge and I see a figure coming out of this room where I sat in and I think, customer that is, customer service mode, no one there. No one in at all except one customer sat in this room in the far corner. All of it's easily explained, but I think what makes it different is that atmosphere. It's because of the age of the building and because of knowing those stories that you can, it's creep yourself out with it and I love it to be honest. I can be stood in the drive-through portion of the building which is a brand new build just been added for this Starbucks and the wind blows outside and the crack in the window goes and I'm thinking brand new build and it's still spooky. But lights turning on upstairs or downstairs because it's, it's still empty. We have this one level that is a Starbucks but upstairs and downstairs for the time being are not occupied by us. So it's, we have one floor of a cafe in a big spooky haunted house. <laughs> but I love it. I think it's a wonderful atmosphere and I'm just so happy that the building's back up and running again. Yeah. T- tell me about those kind of like lost years of the building. So it was, a, it was a pub for a long time. What happened? Why did it kind of uh, fall into, into disrepair, if you like? Well, that's subject to hearsay and rumour, I think. I, don't, I won't want to say, oh, this person did that, etc., because I don't know the exact history of it. All I know is that it has been derelict for a couple of years now and there's talk that the previous owner well it it just kind of fell into disrepair and we've had many people coming through, in fact just last week we had a lady who used to be the landlady decades passed and she was saying it really brought back memories, she was the landlady alongside her husband who unfortunately has passed away and she'd not come back since he had passed away and it brought back this flood of memories. We have workers coming in who are familiar with the building and say that they're glad to see it back up and running because my understanding is it was a costly building to run and that it would need upkeep as you'd expect. And in current times, it could be that that got too much. But like I say, I honestly don't know. All I know is that it's not been occupied for a couple of years. But now it is. It's come back. Is invariably risen. When you say unoccupied, apart from the kind of the uh, the residents, perhaps. So, uh, mm. so John Bright himself, he's got a place in like Sheffield history in the past, but maybe he's still around today. Perhaps. At the end of the day, what is a building this old, if not the bones of an age past? And I think even standing unoccupied. It was always apparent. Whenever I'd travel past the building, I could always look at it and I knew exactly what building it was. And it was so deep in my memory for ha- having been little and coming here and I knew that it was Carbrook Hall. And I think even now it's open, a lot of people, we have our regular customers, but a lot of people almost every day come through the drive-thru and say, I didn't even know you were open. I come past here every day. I didn't know there was a stop. How long has this been here? And we say two months. And they say, I didn't even realise because it's always been here. I think a lot of people are still driving past and it's just like, there goes old corporate Paul. Still going strong. <laughs> and they don't realise it's got new residents. 
No handhold, as you say. There, were, there was criticism, wasn't there, when um, it was decided to turn it into a Starbucks. Um, but, you know, I think it's, a, it's a, a beautiful kind of adaptation that they've done. You know, it's, it's, it seems very right for the 21st century, this building now. Um, but um, what do you, um, just describe some of the rooms, you know, that you've got here. What, um, we're in the old plotting room at the moment. But there's other rooms as well, aren't there, that are a bit kind of, uh, have their own character as well, don't they? This is true. So I think they've done a very tasteful job of renovating the uh, the, the ambience of the building. As you say, this is the plotting room. We call it the oak room, not with the panelling. New floor, as you can see. Starbucks standard furnishing. Some people have said it can look a bit out of place, but that's part of the Starbucks brand, of course. But I don't feel it detracts from the actual atmosphere of the room. With the lighting that we got here, it leaves something to the imagination. We got some darker corners, if you like to sit, or corners by the window, where it's only lit by the beams of the window. We got the big central table, because this is the room mostly used. People like to come to this type of establishment to work, and, and with the laptops, it's a big, important part of it. So, in a sense, this still is a room for plotting. <laughs> we see many a, an interview or a business call taking place in this room. The ceiling, which wonderfully elaborate, is now plain white. My mother was telling me that a good few years ago they actually had it restored to its original colours. I imagine that will be a lot of work. I'm in no way high up in any managerial business here as an employee but if I were looking at it through a simple employee's eyes I'd say that would be a lot of money to get it fully restored and then it'd be difficult to maintain they've gone with plain creamish white you can still see the work on the ceiling it's still apparent they haven't done over it we've already mentioned the fireplace wonderful feature the suit of armor isn't here anymore so I understand that was a relic and probably best removed from the premises. Now the other room that we are not in at the minute is a smaller room and that's where the facilities are. That's where access to the upper level and the basement are, though we can't go in. That is a lot more traditional Starbucks, so plastered walls, painted, the floor, the furnishings. However, there are two sections of the wall where the original kitchen stonework has been unearthed and you can actually see it they've left it all as it is they've not scrubbed it down so cobwebs and all dust it's all there to see a bit of plexiglass here and there to stop children trying to climb into where a cauldron would once have been but you can hear the wind in the chimney and it's it's very nice to see that original stonework some of it was actually unearthed during the renovations as i understand it because like i say that's the bones of the old building lying beneath and of course, we've had people coming in saying, uh oh, you know, you've exposed the old stonework. That's going to be more spirits coming out and such. But no, that's, that's really the feature of that room. There's also the room where we've got the history of the hall in photograph form up on the walls, and people can, can take a gander at that. Now, I've not actually been down to the basement. I've seen many a uh, nervous tradesman embarking on a journey into the basement, but I've never been down there myself important stuff down there, so, you know, electric work and the like. So, as you know, this um, podcast is coming out at Halloween itself. We're uh -huh. aiming to release it on October the 31st this year. Um, it's an atmospheric night here tonight. It's feeling a little bit Halloween-y already, the fact I'm drinking my pumpkin spice latte, beautifully made by yourself. Um, have you got a message for um, people 
this Halloween, Adam? Well, I take Halloween quite seriously. And this is uh, on account of the location, this will be the first year of my working life that I will have not taken it as a holiday. I will be here on Halloween if I get my way dressed as Gomez Adams. But Halloween, I think it's important that we remember the history of the festival and that it does serve a purpose. We're moving into winter. It's time to start staying warm, staying indoors. It's also time to start remembering the past. If anyone's been lost in the past year, or if there's any any particular family members or friends that you'd like to honour, Halloween is a day to do it, certainly. It's a day that as we enter into the winter months, we start to... What's, what's the term looking for? Memento Mori? That sounds good to me. It's the one. As I always say, if anyone's asking me if they should be superstitious about Halloween, have fun if you want. If you want to go out and party, that's all fine. But just take care. Cover your face. Because you don't know if you're meeting people or spirits. And if anyone comes to knock at your door, if they're a friend or a stranger, be welcoming. Because it could be your friend, or it could be someone else. And with that, I think that's a good place to leave this interview. So we'll say uh, Sweet Dreams, Sheffield and Sweet Dreams, Carbrook Hall. Thank you, Adam. Thank you. Happy Halloween. out of uh, Starbucks fairly quickly after that uh, interview uh, things started to rattle around um, rather significantly um, in the plotting room of Carbrook Hall um, I'd like to thank Adam who was unfazed as he was by that interview um, please snap him up for acting and voiceover work um, Looking Up Sheffield is now a website lookingupsheffield.com and we're also on Spotify because they'll give any old Herbert an account on Spotify it seems we're on Twitter and we're on Instagram I'll get around to putting us on Facebook one of these days so do look for us listen, listen again tell your friends and hear our spooky stories until the next time thank you very much for listening stay safe and stay seen goodbye goodbye